Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Amini Sweri and Zulfa Kasim. And you're listening to the Murid Talks podcast. So, hello everyone and thank you for welcoming me back again. Yes, Sister Zulfa, it's nice to have you back. Thank You've you. You've been gone for a while. It's just two episodes, my friend, but they are very interesting. So much so that I want us to discuss about the previous episode, God is a Mystery. Mm. I find it very interesting, personally, and also a lot of things to carry in one plate. And so I hope we will enjoy this talk today and... I will learn more than I learned before. Yeah, I hope everyone else enjoys as well. Okay, so I listened to the whole of it. And, well, I have questions, you know, like any other ignorant person. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't we all ignorant, my friend? It's a good thing then. (laughs) And the first thing I wanted to discuss or talk about is the quote that you took from the Tao Te Ching. So it says that the name that can be named is not the eternal name. Okay, so what does that mean, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Can you try to be more humble, I would say? (laughs) Because I listened and yes, you explained it well, but really for someone who is not very philosophically inclined, I would say, what does that mean? Hmm. Well... To be able to understand this, we have to go back and understand what Lao Tzu was trying to say. Hmm. He was basically talking about the Tao. Okay. And so he says the Tao, the path, the way, which as we talked about in the previous episode, it is similar to the concept of God in the Abrahamic religions. Okay. So Lao Tzu says the Tao that can be named is not the eternal Tao. The path that can be identified delimited, bound by a certain expression is not the true and eternal Tao. So you could say simply that the God that can be expressed or the God that can be named, the God who can be termed, termed, formed, is not the true God. So whatever we say about God isn't enough to express who God is. So that's the simple expression of the Tao that can be named is not the true internal Tao. So you're saying that we have a tendency to perceive God in a certain way. And whatever that perception is, it is not God. We have a tendency to delimit God. Basically, we form images of God in our head Mm. and say that's God. Okay. So we idolize God. And people tend to think of idols just as like stones. Mm. That's just the external idolization. The internal one is you create a form and you say that form is God. But what's bad about it? I mean, being... It's not bad because we have that tendency to begin with, but it is limiting. Hmm. You're not going to your fullest potential because the fullest potential of man is to know God fully. Okay. So by delimiting God to a certain form, you're just saying this is God and nothing else. But God is not that, or it's not just that. Is this what makes God the mystery? Exactly. This is what makes God the mystery. In that, even if one comes to the fullest grasp 
not even grasp, because if I say grasp, it means it's something limited to be grasped. Mm. The fullest experience, let me use that word, of God, that person cannot express that experience to anybody. Mm. He might be able to say this or that about that experience, but never express it totally. But God has um, explained about himself. He has expressed himself. What is to say that that is not him? God has expressed himself in his, you know, books through the sages and the prophets, but they are also limited. And even the prophets and sages knew this. Mm. And that's why if you leave aside the external sacral of things, for example, the religious circles, they were inner circles, like... Sufis. Yeah, the Sufis. Heretics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this goes back way back to the time of the prophets as well. There was an inner circle of the prophets, hmm. people who were more devout, and not only devout, had the disposition to understand these things. There is a tradition of the Prophet Muhammad based on the uh, companion whose name is Abu Huraira. Hmm. Abu Huraira says, and some people don't agree with this tradition, but I agree with it. Hmm. <laughs> Of course you do. Yeah, <laughs> not that I'm an expert in, in, in Islamic tradition. Okay. But Abu Huraira says that the Prophet had two kinds of knowledge. One, he gave it to everybody. And one, he hid it. And only a few people were given that knowledge. And if he, Abu Huraira, who was one of the recipients of this knowledge, was to give out this knowledge, they would stone him to death. Okay, let's not do that here, okay? <laughs> so we have to realize that even the prophets knew that whatever is expressed in the holy books, yes, it is divine revelation. It is a pointer towards the reality, but it's not the reality itself. Okay. The reality is transcendent beyond the expression of its divinity, of its reality. So if the simplest example... If I say that this is an apple, mm. that statement, this is an apple, is not the apple itself. Okay, okay. Think about that deeply. If you really contemplate upon that, it is a very deep and profound statement. I am trying to, yeah, like right now, the way I'm, I'm understanding this is that um, we human beings have a natural or are used to giving titles to things. And yes. attaching those titles or identities to that thing particular. Yeah. I would ask, though, um, what, how do you think this understanding of God in that term that you've explained, how does a person use this, especially seekers? How do they use this in their daily lives? So there's two levels to this question. Mm. The first level is the human level. Okay. <laughs> or the, the earthly level. Okay. Why did the prophets come to the people, right? And, and the easiest way to express this is to make them better people. Okay. Make them have better character and live a good life, hmm. right? So this is more of the earthly moral perspective. So if we become moral, we live good lives. We live good with the people. We live good with the world. Hmm. And so we are treated with a beautiful life. But that's not enough, because why should we be moral in the first place? It's not enough to express the reality of things. Okay. Because why do I have to be moral to begin with? Why do I have to be good? Why do I have to pray? Why do I have to do rituals? 
And here's where the deeper answer comes in, in that we have to seek this answer from God himself. We have to go back to the divine, to the source, hmm. to get the answer, because we are the result, the effect of that primal cause. So the primal cause says that he created us so that we might worship him, that's one, but also he created us in his image. So there's two things there again. First thing is that we were created to worship God. And some sages, some scholars have said, worshiping God is equal to knowing God. Or the truest form of worship is the knowledge in God. Okay. Not just rituals and morality, but the truest form is to know God. And partaking in the divine presence is partaking in knowledge. Because how is God God? Because he knows himself. <laughs> and he knows himself because he is God. So it's a cycle, right? It's a circle. So in the partaking of, of, of knowing God, you know God and you, you get to know yourself. You know yourself because, in a sense, heretically, <laughs> you are God. <laughs> oh, no, we should or... not say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is... It is t- tricky. It is tricky because... And mysterious, it, it, as, it, it, as we say. Exactly. You might end up... Again, causing an idol mm. in yourself and thinking that you, you particular individually are God. We, but as, as with everything esoteric, it's not that simple. It's mm. not me as Aminio, you as Zulfa. It's, it's much more deeper than that. That God is within us. And so truly in our deepest essence, again, because we are a reflection of that divine, we're the image of that divine, we mm. are that divine. Because If you go back to the first episode, we talked about how when you look at yourself in the mirror, you don't say, that's my image. You say, that's me. Hmm. So your image is you. It's not other than you. Yeah, it is your image, but it is you. Because if you're not there to begin with in the mirror, there wouldn't be an image of you. Okay. It's not you, but it is you. So individually, yes, you are not God, but essentially, deeply, you are. You are God. You talked about transcendence. Yes. And how God's transcendence is also a limitation. If you claim God is transcendent, it is a limitation. God is transcendent, yes. But if you claim it, you have already delimited God. You've bound God to the concept of transcendence. So the same as you bounding uh, your understanding of you as the image of God is one limit. Yeah. And transcendence also is another extreme limit. It is an extreme limit. So what is it? What are we looking into? <laughs> Why are you laughing? <laughs> no, it's a very interesting question because, yes, truly, the whole concept of the path, the way, is to get to a balance, to a middle way. Okay. You shouldn't claim anything fully. If you claim anything fully and totally, you've limited whatever you're claiming that thing to be. So if I say God is transcendent, I've limited God. Even though I'm claiming that he is unlimited, I have limited God by claiming so. Mm-hmm. So you should never be in any end or any extreme. And that is the way of the Tao, for example. The Taoists are living a life in the middle. And actually, any divine tradition, any true divine tradition teaches people to live in the middle way. Yeah, Islam, I remember there's a tradition that the Prophet says uh, a Muslim is one who is in between, yes. can balance. Wasat, it's Wasat. Wasat. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's being in the middle, it's being in the balance. In that, you shouldn't claim that God is transcendent fully, nor should you claim that he is immanent fully. 
nor should you claim that he is half transcendent and half immanent. It's very hard to live that life, so. <laughs> Or is it is hard? Basically, God is a hundred percent transcendent, hundred percent immanent. Now, how do you get that into your head? That's a whole other complex discussion. Mm. Because transcendence is complementary to immanence. If you claim something is transcendent, it is not immanent. If it's immanent, it's not transcendent. Mm. Basically, mm. from a limited perspective. But we're claiming that God is a hundred percent transcendent, hundred percent immanent. Right, he's within with all things at all times, mm. but he's also beyond all those things to begin with. How? I don't know, <laughs> but I know. <laughs> okay. I don't know how I know, but, but I know. But you know. Yeah. Yeah, because that also is one of my questions. Like, how do you know? You know that you're in the balanced way. You're in the way of the Tao, <laughs> and not some extreme fascist cult. You know. Interesting. I mean, <laughs> that's a very interesting question because. Okay, how do you know you're you? I am. Of course, that's the answer. You, you're just you. You know the truth when you know the truth. Once you know it, you know that you know it. That's it. Okay. I mean, how do you know you exist? You exist. That's it. You don't need somebody to come and give you a theory of why you exist. I mean, yeah, you could want to know the intricacies and the source of where you came from, and that's good. But they will really? not come and explain to you about you. Yeah, they just they, they can't come and tell you you are, and mm. this is why you are. You know that you are. Mm. How do you know that? You've been knowing it since you were a child, mm. since before you even started asking these kind of questions. Mm. And maybe you did ask these kind of questions when you were a child. I don't know. But you see, even if you ask, you're still here. Mm. <laughs> you won't cease being mm. once you start asking. So how do you know you're in the true way? How do you know the truth? You know it when you know it, and let me give you a story with this. Okay, story time. <laughs> <laughs> so I used to ask my teacher, right? How will I know when I know mm. when I was first initiated in the path? I kept asking that question, like, how do I know when I know? Mm. How will I know? Tell me, <laughs> give me a pointer, right? So that when I know that thing, I'll be that one like, student in classroom, yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> one very stubborn student. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, my teacher. How will I know when I know? And he kept smiling. I remember his face every time. He said, you'll know when you know. Oh, that's infuriating. It Our... is very infuriating. I used to hate that answer. But yet I trusted in my teacher. Mm. I trusted the process. And I remember one day something came to me, an intuition. And this led me to a realization of what we talked about in the third episode. Mm. Or the fourth, I can't remember. Mm. Um... Because there are so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there's so many. Um, and I was like, wow, I know what he's talking about right now. Because I knew when I knew. Okay. At that moment, I knew that I knew and I knew that I always knew. It's not that I didn't know that. I think this is where what they say God is an experience. Exactly. God is an experience. And once I experienced that thing, I knew that I was always experiencing it. It's not that I didn't know it. Mm. And so that's the thing. This path is a path of removing veils. You're actually seeing whatever you want to see. Whatever end you want to get to, you're in it. You just don't know it yet. You just don't have a conscious awareness that you're in it. It's like that drop that we talked about in the previous episode. Mm. That drop, it's not that it's dropping out into the ocean. It's already in the ocean. Mm. But it just thinks that it's a drop. But it's really the ocean. Mm. But once it comes to experience, 
the ocean in its totality. It'll be like, ah, okay, I, I knew this all the time. I, I was the ocean. Mm. And that's the thing. Once you come to experience that, for example, reality is reality, you've always known that reality is reality. You've never really even questioned that reality is not reality. Mm. You always know that reality is reality. But it's, it's that you're blinded. I mean, it's so funny. Yeah, at the time you... you... Yeah, you're just blinded by it. Yeah, you're blinded by it. And that's the thing. God says he is the manifest and the non-manifest, Tadahir Batin. And the scholars expand on this and say that God is manifest in his non-manifestedness and he is non-manifest in his manifestedness. Oh, so yin-yang. That kind of thing. So there's the the there's the yin in the yang, the yang in the yin, yeah. and the yin yang is it's not it's not two separate things. It's exactly the yin yang. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. You're going back to the to the Taoists. Hmm. Exactly the yin yang. Like it's one is in the other, and the other is in the exactly, and, and they're, they're, they're interconnected. Just one. They're yeah. one. So it's not the yin and the yang. It's yin yang. Hmm. So transcendence and immanence. It's not transcendence and then plus immanence. Hmm. You know. But mm. it, it's transcendence immanence. Think of them as one. Mm. Wow, you know, now I'm thinking of someone like Lao Tzu walking. And you just see this old guy, but he's actually having existence in his head. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I, I used to ask these questions to some of my teachers. Like, you know what, if you just believe in God, it's enough. You don't have to go through all this. Yeah, why complicate? <laughs> why, why go through the mess, you know? <laughs> but once you taste the, 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 the delicacy of the experience, yeah. of experiencing God and understanding Him in that intimate level, it's, it's, it's a whole new phase. It's a whole new and phase. And it makes your belief in the divine entity much more sensible, much more meaningful, but also much more real, you know? Exactly. We have a tendency of putting God as someone other than ourselves. But when God tells you he's, you are in his image and he's also transcended, like he's in and out at the same time. Exactly. Yeah, even in the moral compass level, you've, you reach a point you can't do what he doesn't want you to do. Exactly. And that's when they say that I become your eyes and your ears and your hands. Ah, yes. You know, you become him and he becomes you. Yeah. So it's this it's be, this beautiful dance yeah. and I don't know, I find it extremely exciting. Like It is. And that's the thing. Precisely what you're talking about. The law is here to teach the mass. Do this, don't do this. If you do this, you will live in the reflection of the divine presence. If you don't do this, you are living outside the reflection of the divine presence. But the seeker, who then attains to the point of realization and enlightenment, knows for certainty that he does what he does out of reflection of the divine presence. So he becomes saintly, not because he's been ordered to be saintly, not because he's been told to do this and don't do this, but he knows why he's doing it. He knows why he is good because he has always been good. Within him, the essence has always existed to make him good. So being bad is more as a contingency. The reality is being good. And that is why saints 
are like I don't know angels. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know another word they're, to they're, use. They they seem like out of this world, yeah. but they're so into In it. it. Yeah, they're fully human. You, yeah. it, it's like they are the more human, human yeah. than us. Who still right? imbalanced. <laughs> yeah, who are still imbalanced. Yeah. Because they've attained the middle way, mm. the Taoist way, mm. they've attained to a level, a saintly level, mm. in that they're fully human, but they're also fully divine. Mm. They are the best humans. Mm. They're not even not human. Because people tend to think as if maybe when you become saintly, you start flying and walking on water and stuff. Those are contingent things. The real effect of being divine is being 100% human, being the best human a human can be and living in that total reflection of the divine, the Adamic state, what we call it, hmm. that what Adam was in the Edenic hmm. gardens. Okay. That it was a total reflection of the divine. Okay, that's another topic. That's you a whole different topic. Yeah, yeah, we do not want to make more heretics of <laughs> ourselves. <laughs> exactly. But thank you so much. I've I've loved this. I hope everyone does as well. <laughs> yeah. So I think we can sum it up. Mm. Any last remarks? Um, I think the path is an eternal process, and it's just beautiful. It is. And I hope more can see this, you know. The, Rumi has this uh, very famous poem, like, come, come. Mm. Whoever a, you are. Yeah, whoever you are. And it just makes me feel like, you know, I'm taking this road. I have no idea where I'm going. But it's such a beautiful experience. It's such mm. a beautiful road. And if only we could learn to, to get through there. It will be a fantastic thing. So mm. I, I'm so grateful that we're treading this path, inshallah. And I hope some out there will hear us in the best version of this. <laughs> <laughs> and it will be a best experience, inshallah. Yeah. To kind of ping back on what you were saying, the going is the destination. Okay. Yeah. Indeed it is. The beginning is the end, the end, the beginning. And so whatever we're seeking, it's here. It's not somewhere outside of here. Mm. The going, the path is the destination. So however long you walk it, you're in it. Mm. So don't worry. Just go forth. Go you know? forth. It's such a hopeful thing. I mean, yeah. there's so much crap in this world. <laughs> <laughs> of course, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you as well. I hope everyone enjoyed. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.